Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your home on the Culture Slate Network for in-depth commentary on lore, the High Republic, and the whole canon of the galaxy far, far away. I'm Matthew Neugebauer, and I'm joined all the way across the continent by your friend and mine, Joel Davis. Joel, how are you doing this week? I'm excited. It's going to be a special episode. There we go. There we go. And uh, as viewers on YouTube can see, we have our first ever guest. Although I got to say, I hesitate to call him a guest since <laughs> he's been a big help getting this podcast off the ground since before day one. Joining just across town from me, you know him from the Star Wars Underworld podcast. I know him as the 2018 Star Wars Day Toronto Trivia Champion. <laughs> it's our good friend, Mr. Dominic Jones. Dom, welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Oh, it's great to be here. This is a lot of fun. I, I have been a, a big supporter of uh, of you guys since uh, yeah since the very beginning. I, I, I helped get this one off the ground, and uh, I've been loving what you've been doing. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here, and, and <laughs> I'm very excited, I guess, I gather, Matthew, for a rematch of, our, uh, of the first time we met. Hey, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I think we did play uh, Trailer Pursuit one time, and I did win that one. So. Yes, you did. I there remember that it was you, go. me, and and Dan, and we were playing outside because it was it was you know during COVID. I think it was the first time we seen each other since COVID. Oh, wow. So we were playing, <laughs> we were playing outside in a park, and Dan was just like, "Ah, oh, I'm just gonna let you guys go at it. You know, <laughs> I'll just be here." And he, yeah, I guess I think you won, and then he came in second, <laughs> so I just oh. I was demolished. <laughs> and uh, as as uh, listeners or viewers of the Star Wars Underworld podcast will know, Ben Hart, the Star Wars guy, also recently defeated me. So I, I've lost yeah. my edge. It's I think what we're saying here. See, I want to take Ben on. I want to take yeah. Ben on, especially because he, he got all those <laughs> canon questions, and I, I want to be the guy. Anyway, we, uh, we should do one, Matthew. I bet we can do one for sure. <laughs> So I feel like I feel, short, sorry, I feel like you guys could take on that Dragon Con uh, quiz. Yeah, well, when, and, when Dragon Con comes around, we'll definitely yeah. do the uh, do that one. Anyways, looking forward to our show today. This week, we join all in on the Boba Fett Book of Boba Fett fun. We take the long view as we do here at Ion Cannon. What worked, what didn't, how it all fits with the rest of the story of Star Wars. But first, we got to do our little social plugs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ion cannon pod also got to mention i did record my uh, tractor beam segment uh, i believe for last week on high republic trail of shadows number five and darth vader number 20 there actually happens to be no new comics coming out this week so uh, i'm going to be doing one on the uh, star wars adventures uh, the the final uh, issues numbers 13 and 14 uh, the stories in there so watch for that sometime later this week um, you can also catch my Fallen Star review commentary, spoiler review commentary. I go in go in depth for about 20, 25 minutes talking about what I thought about the book, what I loved, what I what I you know thought might have even improved. But uh, overall, definitely an enjoyable experience for me. Dom, you've read The Fallen Star. Yeah. So we're going to uh, segue into that. Uh, tell us, what did you think of it? I liked Fallen Star. Um, it wasn't. I wasn't as quite as blown away by it as I think you were, Matt. Uh, I I enjoyed it. Like um, it was a good addition to the the High Republic stuff. But it, it was coming off of the heels of uh, the Rising Storm, which was the second of the adult novels, which is one of the best Star Wars books I've read in a long time. Like that was what that was a book. The way I describe the Rising Storm is that. 
Uh, it's the kind of book that when you're reading it before bed and you get to the end of the chapter and you see what time it is and you realize you have to stop, you get angry about it. <laughs> yeah. That was that was oh. my experience reading Rising Storm because it was so good. And then yeah. then I got to Fallen Star and it was it was okay. I thought like I thought the stuff with Stellan and Elzar and Bell was really good. Uh, the stuff with Chansey and and uh, Nan yeah. was 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 pretty solid as well. But everything else kind of felt like it was. Uh, spinning its wheels and or, or kind of the story felt like it was on repeat and and i felt like i kept reading sex sections that were very similar to what had just come before and the whole book itself felt a little too similar in in my mind to rising storm it felt like we were sort of going over some similar beats that uh, that we went through in that book so i i thought it was good but but not great and and i was looking for something a little bit more or for lack of a better term, spectacular to uh, end the first wave of the High Republic, especially since wave two or phase two, excuse me, phase two is going to be 150 years before phase one, which is such an interesting and odd but kind of exciting choice. But I was looking for a, just a little bit more finality to um, book three. Uh, or phase uh, wave three, phase one, whatever, however we describe the, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was looking for a little bit more finality yeah. to the story of the characters that we'd been following mm -hmm. up until this point, so that we could comfortably put them on the shelf uh, for probably a year, year and a half before mm -hmm. we come back to them. I assume in 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 phase three, although who knows at this That's point, so phase three may go back even further back, and we just never <laughs> hear from Avar, Chris, and and um, Markian uh, Rowe again. Some people are gonna be so mad well, as it know. happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, fair enough. It, it is another. The the joke is, you know, if uh, Light of the Jedi is the great disaster, uh, Rising Storm is the greater disaster, <laughs> and then I think Mark uh, uh, Lena So Chancellor So in in. Uh, the fallen star says this is the greatest disaster yeah. <laughs> so the, i can see how that can get a bit repetitive and just yeah. another demolition story yeah well and, and a lot of the the story of fallen star even felt repetitive it was there were multiple points where it's like okay this jedi is going to go off on their own and they're looking for you know the source of uh, the source of the problems with the force uh in, in yeah. this and then they find it and then they feel all of the fear descending upon them and then they die yeah. <laughs> that happened that happened a couple of times and so there were a few points in the book where i felt like it was kind of spinning its wheels rather than, than moving forward but it's an interesting structure i think it's a as a story it would have worked better it's, this is one where i do think it would have worked better on screen like it had it been a disaster movie yeah. it kind of had that you know titanic vibe to it of like you know everything's going great and then hey look there's an iceberg ahead but we definitely yeah. won't hit the iceberg and then we hit the iceberg and then it's what do we do about it mm. and 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 i feel like that could have um i think that would have translated to the screen really really well mm. it it but and, and and a lot of the things that felt kind of repetitive in the book might have been a little bit more exciting had we been seeing them play out whereas you know sometimes you watch a movie and you go this would be more interesting if I could really get into the character's head. Yeah, that's true. And and the other books I think have done a really good job yeah. at, at keeping you in the character's head. And and every time you 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 have a chapter with a character from their from their point of view, you really learn something. You really mm -hmm. pick up on something. Whereas again, this one there were just a few too many chapters where it was just like same thing but with somebody else. Yeah, I mean you're not alone. In, I've heard other commentaries say. Okay, we we left off where what happens with Bury, especially for example. You know, we left mm -hmm. off with happens with some other characters. Um, I mean, 
yeah, I, I get that. How could that that could be a little frustrating, a little you know, unsure, uncertain, sitting with that. I I do wonder if uh, part of the the not issue, but uh, the way we re- receive these the story is if Midnight Horizon and in uh, Kevin Scott's comic book things get more resolved, and so that's that's the whole issue with High Republic, right? It's I yeah. mean I love it, but uh, it was necessarily no, contains stories. Yeah, Ooh, that's was... a theme. This episode going to be a theme. This episode contains stories, or yeah, there <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really interesting. This the the way they've they've done Wave Three of, of Phase One, yeah. the way they've done it, because it's it's the first one that I've I've really felt like oh, to get the full story, you have to read everything. Because with the previous waves, it felt like if you read all the stories the overall experience was enhanced, but you could mm-hmm. still, you could go right from Light of the Jedi into um, Rising Storm without too much of a, without too much of a learning curve. There might be a couple of moments where you're like, hey, wait, what are you talking about? But by and large, the story, mm-hmm. uh, the big story beats were sort of self-contained from book one to book two. Whereas in, in this one, I thought Avar Chris would be like a main character in this yeah. book. And and it's, it's uh, not, I don't think it's a spoiler to say sh- she's not. And her, story that is very directly connected to what is going on in the book mm-hmm. happens is ha- happens in the comics and is still happening in the comics we're, we're waiting on issue 15 to see how mm-hmm. th- all that uh plays out so it, it, it was kind of interesting to you know you know read about you know stellan and and elzar and how they're sort of going like Hey, what's what's going on with Avar? What's, what's is she all right? We don't know. We we don't know. And we're also like, yeah, I don't know either. I don't know either, guys. Comes out <laughs> March second. Yeah, you gotta wait till March second. So yeah. speaking of uh, things that are coming out, um, and and Dom, you mentioned Phase Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Getting to that news that just dropped the other day, um, the uh, the High Republic show and StarWars.com announced more details about uh, the the next phase, Quest of the Jedi, that comes out. In October, we have the adult novel called Convergence by Zoraida Cordova, the young, the young adult novel called Path of Deceit by Tessa Grattan and Justina Ireland, middle grade novel Quest for the Hidden City by George Mann, the Dark Horse comic will be called Quest of the Jedi. And, Dark Horse. Yeah, there we go. And Marvel's High Republic ongoing will continue in October with Kevin Scott. So, uh, you know, the one, the one question I have here is, uh, with the Dark Horse comic by Claudia, this will be by Claudia Gray, called Quest of the Jedi. It's not called uh, High Republic Adventures: Quest of the Jedi, as far as we know. Is this an adult book or an all ages book? Um, it is by Dark Horse, and it's not by Daniel Jose Older either. And so, uh, in line with the announcements that we've had before, I, I don't quite know what uh, where this will get. So, um, my first thought was again that. This might be the the ongoing run. It's called Quest of the Jedi, but then we have uh, Marvel's High Republic continuing in October. Of course, all of this set 150 years before Phase One, Light of the Jedi. Um, another thing to say is, or, or two more things to say to point out here is, these titles are are quite vague and quite nicely vague. I think they're just enough to mm-hmm. say, oh, that's interesting. Convergence, Quest for the Hidden City. What's that? What's this hidden yeah. city? All that stuff, and then. Uh, great to see Zorada Cordova, Tessa Grattan, and George Mann getting into the Project Luminous full bore. Uh, Dom, I'll throw this over to you. What are your thoughts on this news? Yeah, I, I'm excited by it. You know, it's it's hard to really. Um it's hard to really guess too much at what's going on because like you said, the titles are really vague. 
they don't they don't tell you a lot they just kind of give you a little hint and even then it's hard to to do much with those hints because as we've said we're going back in time all mm -hmm. the characters that we know for the most part with uh, few exceptions. Yeah, with a few exceptions. exceptions. Yeah, I. But for the most part, are not are not part of it. So mm -hmm. you know, you could look at, you know, a title like Fallen Star, and kind of guess what's going on in that book, <laughs> um, because we've we'd have had by that point we've had two other books and we've done a lot falling. of things with the, the characters. Yeah, but mm -hmm. if you look at Convergence, yeah. and you look at and and some of those other titles and. We don't. We, what's converging? We don't even know who the characters are. So it, it's it's interesting. It's exciting. I'm looking forward to learning a bit more about Phase Two mm -hmm. uh, when the time when the time comes because there there's there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting um, question marks out there around it. Um, why they chose to go back in time yeah. being one of the being the big one, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But I, I it's hard to it's hard to take too too much from what mm -hmm. what little we got so far. Joel, you got any uh, anything response there? Anything that stands out to you? I like this title, "Quest for the Hidden City." I just, yeah. I just put like put Indiana Jones, and there's your Indiana mm -hmm. Jones movie. Indiana Jones, the Quest <laughs> for the Hidden City. I feel yeah. like it's actually a game. Yeah, or yeah. probably is. <laughs> probably is somewhere. Um, Are we sure they didn't just you know mix something up at Lucasfilm and they got the, <laughs> this is actually the title for Indy Five? <laughs> Or Whoops. is High Republic just not? I'm gonna. I was gonna make a, a dumb joke about High Republic being a way to make indie Star Wars canon. No, no, no. Uh, sorry, go, Joe. There was one comic that did that, um, but um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I I always think the the, the, the machete order thing of the High Republic is the most fascinating thing. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious if the further we're going back, the more we're getting closer to that time when the last great Jedi Sith war happened. And right. Who knows when I'm looking forward to see what Charles Soule kind of brings, especially mm -hmm. with some of the nuggets he's been putting in for the Star Wars mainline comics. So who knows? Um, yep. Certain ancient Sith Lords might be showing up. Um, but overall, you know, it's all these things look cool. Cool to see Dark Horse coming back. I'm really curious to see if Claudia Gray can translate her writing into comics because, mm -hmm. you know, not everyone can do that. It's hard. Sometimes authoring and comic book writing are two very different things. Um, especially if you know your panels and stuff like that. Um, but overall, this looks really cool, and mm -hmm. um, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, to that point, uh, you know, Claudia Ray, she does have uh, a, a young, it's a young adult comic uh, set in the DC universe. Uh, I think oh. it's about Krypton. I forget what oh, it's called. Oh, yeah. I have the volume one somewhere back there. Um, I haven't read it yet, but, you know, it, it seemed to be successful. It seems volume two is, uh, you know, is coming out uh, or is already out there, so um, yeah, I, I, I do get that. I mean, that, you know, there are different storytelling techniques in going from one type of paper to the other, right. And going from, right. uh, comic to novel to comic, etc. So, um, yeah, that, that's fair. Well, reigns to be seen, of course, but, uh, like I, like I keep saying, like we keep saying, Claudia Gray is the master of, uh, setup and payoff. And, uh, I think one of the masters of, of character and writing, especially young adult characters. So, um, I, I'm always going to be optimistic about uh, what Claudia Gray is doing, but you know, we, we don't necessarily need to hero worship either. Is is the the other side of it? As we'll get to hero worship later on in the show. Um, one last point here: there, I did see the rumor about a potential live action kids show. I believe, but in High Republic. Yeah. Um, my yeah. personal feeling about rumors generally is it's probably true. I'd rather wait until uh, it gets a bit more substantial in order to to give more coverage to it because then we can get more details 
etc. But when that gets substantiated, we'll we'll definitely talk about it because you know it's High Republic. <laughs> so, yes. uh, we are you know yeah the home for High Republic coverage here. We are the, the High Republic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, all right. So early on in this podcast, uh, or in the in the iterations of of the Iron Cannon podcast, I had an idea. I think Dom on Star Wars Underworld, you mentioned something about cold takes with Dom. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> and, chilly. Yeah, cool. and, and you know when we were chatting about this, uh, I was all okay. Uh, I, I want next time you're free. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next time there is some really good cold takes happening. Uh, we're going to do it. And what the idea here is, uh, you know, we go into fan theories, fan theories that uh, maybe, maybe entirely reasonable, really wonderful, great ideas. Maybe they were entirely ridiculous and utterly ridiculous. And either way, it just didn't happen on, on the show or in, in marketing or what have you. Um, and, and so we're going to dive into them. This is kind of a reference to the York Snoke theory sucks. Uh, get, pay homage to that. Back in the I should, day, I should have worn that T-shirt. <laughs> should have worn that T-shirt. That was the that's the OG cold take. I gotta say, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> we've got so we've got two for you the, uh, mm-hmm. this week, and to kick it off, you know, one uh, one was planned, one was unplanned. We'll start with the unplanned one because it was about last night. Um, uh, you know, so we know the Obi Wan Kenobi show directed by Toronto Ontario's Deborah Chow. Uh, it was announced for May 25th, and so the cold take is that we get a trailer last night during that big American sporting event, but we didn't. You know, fair enough. Um, I mean, and, we got we got a Ewan McGregor commercial. I saw and that, the, yeah. and the Disney Plus commercial. So, I mean, from a certain point of view, if you <laughs> took got... the two and smashed them together, you'd get Obi Wan on a vacation yes, with have. a goat, I guess. And we got the I saw Doctor that commercial with Ewan yesterday. Yeah, the out of all the things, I, the goat thing seems to kind of trolling, which is which is fun. But uh, <laughs> we got the great Doctor Strange trailer. That's great. So, yeah. anyways, for for these cold take segments, yeah. um, there'll be two questions here: Why did we expect it, and then why didn't we get it, or why did people expect it, and then why didn't we get it? Uh, so, cold takes with Dom. Uh, Want to take a stab at the first one? Why did we expect the Kenobi trailer? Well, uh, first, of, first and foremost, I like this version of, of cold takes much better than what I thought it was when you first described it to me, which was <laughs> you would take my cold takes no. and wow. throw them in my face. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds more fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, look, I've been, been doing this for, for 10 years. I've got some really cold takes out there. Uh, really <laughs> frozen nice ones. Um, but, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but, uh, but but I, um, I think that, I mean, the reason everybody, the reason some people were expecting it, which I, I want to say, I, I feel like most people weren't expecting it. I think this was one thing where there was a sort of a feeling of it would be nice if it happened, mm-hmm. but if it doesn't, that's kind of yeah, what we're fair. more, what we're expecting. And, and, you know, the reason why everybody wants to see one is one, people are excited about this show. This show has been perhaps the most anticipated thing in Star Wars in a very long time. Oh, yeah. um, second, uh, generally, the um, the marketing for the next show, the next Star Wars show, doesn't begin till after the first one. The, the the current one ends, and Book of Boba just wrapped up, and mm-hmm. we did get um, the poster for Kenobi. To be fair, yeah. uh, literally the same day, right? Like you know, Boba Fett comes out on Wednesday. 
Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, boom, here's the poster for mm -hmm. Kenobi. Um, and th the third reason is, you know, look, like you said, there was a Doctor Strange trailer. Um, the, the Super Bowl has become a place for uh, debuting movie trailers. Mm -hmm. it, it has been for a while. And we've seen, we saw Solo get a trailer there. Uh, we've seen lots of Marvel and DC movies over the years get trailers there. And so why not? Why, why not think, why, why not? Uh, put a Kenobi trailer there for whatever for, for and and then for whatever reason they said no let's not we're holding off a little bit longer so eh, you know it is what it is I like everybody I'm I'm so psyched to see this trailer but after after the debacle that was Disney Plus Day where people hyped themselves up for that we would get trailers for everything that was announced and everything that wasn't announced as well i feel like there's star wars fans, star wars fans are showing a bit more restraint these days and going well maybe we'll get something but if we but odds are we probably won't joel you have any uh any input in there i mean star wars marketing has always been weird and <laughs> just keeps getting weirder um i don't I'm doing a whole article on that later um but um you know maybe also because this is a streaming service show so it's True. like they want their subscribers more than they want the actual mm -hmm. content. So it's like, I don't mm -hmm. know, like some, put a trailer on the day it comes out and then everyone will subscribe. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know how Disney plus numbers work, but right. yeah, I didn't expect it. So I fair enough. Really fair enough. You, you, you had the, the warm take. Fair enough. I mean, one thing I'm going to, I'll take a stab at why we may not have gotten it. Like I said, Dr. Strange and Moon Knight. And uh, I mean, just all the attention around uh, Super Bowl and the Lord of the Rings prequel. And, uh, the Game of Thrones prequel, and uh, you know, so yeah, a bit it was a bit crowded, a bit of a crowded night too. Um, and you and, know, we're sorry, about John. Yeah, I was just saying, Star Wars doesn't have a, a great track record when it comes to uh, Super Bowl spots. You know, the right, last two were Solo, a Star Wars story, and the Phantom Menace 3D. And I think those are two of the lowest <laughs> grossing Star Wars cinematic experiences of all time. And and so I, I Phantom Menace 3D. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I, I guess they 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 may well have just decided, you know what, it's not worth it. It's not it's worth cursed. the six million dollars <laughs> to to put thirty seconds of of Obi Wan Kenobi on here, especially mm -hmm. when we have two more imminent projects. One being Moon Knight, which starts up next month, I guess. Yeah, in, um, and the, the other being Doctor Strange, which comes out around the same time as Kenobi, but it's it's in theaters, and so right. they're expecting to make close to if not more than a billion dollars off of that mm -hmm. uh so it, it the the calculation may be we need to get people more excited for for dr strange more immediately than mm -hmm. we do for kenobi or even moon knight where the only reason moon knight's getting one now is because it's so close sure. yeah i mean this fits with the great comment here by script and scalpel um, similar to, you know, Netflix does a lot of now streaming trailers and Disney plus, I mean, yeah, Disney plus has done still a lot of similar stuff too, um, you know, especially for their kids shows. So, yeah, I mean, that, that could be it too. They do want something just more immediate, even leading up to celebration when, when this is going to, the show itself is going to drop. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Again. Yeah. That's Joel. You're right too. It's, it's always been weird <laughs> in terms of when they're pushing what shows and whatnot. And okay, streaming I just think... makes it weirder because now it's like long term. It's like it's going to be there as long as Disney Plus is there. So this is true. Uh, it, there, there are some great Book of Boba Fett TV spots that are on now, 
and it's like i'm like where were these two months ago i would have lost my mind over these two months ago but they they already have my streaming money and they already knew i was going to show up to watch it so they don't need they don't need to grab my attention uh before the thing comes on but now that the thing is out there they can put out these great spots that are going to grab hopefully grab people's attention and get them to sign up and start watching and i mean one of the things we're going to maybe get into in, in a very short while we're getting there promise uh it is with book of boba fett will these shows do better and be more watchable as stories uh when we binge them that's a question for in about 10 15 minutes okay speaking of book of boba fett though uh the original cold take and it is appropriate for valentine's day it it, it sort of is a hot take but there there was no no fire uh we all hope to see the mother of dragons in all her crimson glory uh kira show up in the book of boba fett i i maybe i hesitate hesitate to say we all hope to see but there was a lot of buzz around again what charles soul had set up right of uh and and not just charles soul but the anticipation of uh you know solo and everything coming out of that and just the memories that we have of it hoping to see more of kira's story um joel i'll, I'll throw this to you why do you think there was a lot of buzz a lot of talk about what you've called the Mephisto of the Book of Boba Fett. Who's also Crimson, so um, yeah. if you read the comics. Um, I think a lot of it is probably because Kira was getting a lot of buzz in the comics and she was connected to Boba Fett and the War of the Bounty Hunters was a Boba Fett-centric story and mm-hmm. Book of Boba Fett was this year, so it's sort of like, I don't know, it's sort of like you can connect the dots and maybe come out with a good, like a reasonable, hey, maybe Kira is going to be important because this is a big tie-in thing. Mm-hmm. Or, possible tie-in thing because like oh he's directly doing stuff with kira it's been a while um so i can currently see that and you know obviously then you get leakers who kind of say oh well, i'm hearing stuff and then you know everyone gets excited over nothing it's like it's the mephisto thing all over again yeah um uh but yeah, you know, i could totally see that and also you know boa's story is underworld centric and i kind of hope kira's alive for this era still mm-hmm. regardless because i think that's an interesting era to explore but yeah i think maybe people just kind of Connect. I think this was more of a reasonable connecting of dots than the Mephisto right. thing, um, and you know, it just didn't pan out for whatever reason, or you know, maybe it's never planned planned for. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, uh, two points there. You know, that in the comic, uh, in the Crimson Dawn or Crimson Rain crossover that we're currently in, there is well, she does have an expiry date. We do know Crimson Dawn falls. Uh, we don't know if Kira ends up dying for it. I believe I can't quite remember, but. Yeah, there, there is this thing of after the fall and whatever ends up happening with Kira. We know she's taking on Vader and Sidious, and we know how that ends. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's true. We don't know if she's still alive in this this period. We hope she does. She is. Uh, again, we don't know how much has been planned out. Um, you know, there is uh, uh, the, the Dom. You mentioned the, the Reddit threads and all that. Um, all the Reddit leaks. I don't know, Dom. You want to. Uh, yeah so it's interesting because the the you know kira Kira showing up in book of boba fett was something that i think people were speculating for people were hoping for uh pretty much from the day it was announced and and honestly some people were kind of hoping for it going back into uh you know before we even knew book of boba fett was a thing people were more Mm -hmm. thinking uh it could be something for a future season of mandalorian and and it it touches on what, what you were talking about earlier matthew which was um 
people have a lot of good memories around solo it mm -hmm. wasn't a big success in the way that disney needed it to be to continue that story and as a result there are a lot of sort of dangling plot lines that are still just out there waiting for somebody to pick up on them and i think the biggest one mm -hmm. is kira uh and again people like amelia clark she was the big star on, on one of the biggest shows for a, a long time so there's a, a real desire mm -hmm. to get her back into star wars in in some way and so it felt like this was a, a possibility and, and given the the way favreau and filoni love to bring in characters from other shows or, or characters from from other shows and from the books and the comics it felt mm -hmm. like something that could have been that could have happened and and so it was something people were hoping for people were speculating about and then someone went and posted on uh, on 4chan <laughs> that they had <laughs> they had a big they had a big leak of of all the stuff that was going to happen in the book of boba right. fett uh and it would said that episode one would end with the big reveal of, of kira being in the show and that cad bane would be her her number two and mm. all this stuff and so there was they were clearly pulling from legitimate leaks that were out out right. there because they said things like cad bane would show up he did said things cool. like black chrysanthemum would show up he did uh the pikes would be in there they mm. were so they were they were pulling from some some legitimate things and then uh just adding some bs on top of that <laughs> uh to get people talking right. and and i think that elevated the feeling of maybe uh kira could show up because here's a leak and then you know all these other sites pick up on it and they report on it and they bury the source within the article and uh, so that you know you think oh well this looks like a legitimate news source reporting on it therefore it must be true uh when in reality it's from a notorious forum right. <laughs> uh, that, that we're getting this this source so um yeah it, it was a it was a bit mm -hmm. it was a bit un, it was a bit of a disappointment uh in, yeah. in that regard but it's just you know it is it it that's how it went and, and people you know people mm -hmm. ran with that for whatever reason um i honestly think you know you guys were pointing out, out you know the fact that she was back in the comics and how mm -hmm. that could be setting something up or alluding to the fact that they had a plan for her in the show my my feeling is that that's kind of indicates the opposite yeah and, and that when a character especially one as high profile as mm -hmm. as kira where again you had you have a, you know a very famous actor playing that role in live action who could still very easily play that role in live mm -hmm. action and with a big plot line that's still just like out there that nobody nobody knows how it's resolved um i think they generally would would given the choice they would rather have amelia clark come back than have charles sewell yeah. write a comic book and and so the fact that they were letting that they that they gave sewell and and marvel and everybody the, the mm -hmm. go ahead on on first the war of the bounty hunter storyline and now the crimson rain storyline to me that was a big a big old crimson flag that, that this, <laughs> we shouldn't expect right. expect this but like everybody else i want kira to come back in live action i mm -hmm. was really hoping for it and and so i i was i was still hoping even though i suspected based on the fact that she was back yeah. in the comics and and that it wasn't just it wasn't just war of the bounty hunters that they had a whole other arc plan mm -hmm. for her suggested that probably they were it, the the bad guy in book of boba fett the big bad was going to be somebody else and right it was it was and i mean i think for for all it's my concerns that again i'll get into that in a minute you know the fact that it was a good clear villain and not trying to do too much and obfuscate and confuse things too much by having this last second reveal i think yeah that was a little more convincing than it you know i would have gotten so excited of course we all would have but yeah, like and i i don't want to let myself off the hook here because i was i was you know hoping for it right right to the 
bitter end until mm-hmm. until the very end of the credits when yep. it finally switched over to the you could also watch screen. Even uh, even that that scene in Moss Eisley where uh, Fennec Shan goes to assassinate mm-hmm. all those guys. I mean, I was like, oh, is that Kira? Is she coming to, <laughs> to figure it out? Is she coming to to clean this up, clean up this mess? No, it's it's Fennec, yeah. being Fennec. Um, <laughs> I will say my last word on all this is uh, it's so wonderful to see when you have a favorite in something. Charles Soule being my favorite, one of my favorite authors, creatives in all of Star Wars right now, uh, to get this much. Well, widespread relevance uh, i'm loving it i'm here for that too so <laughs> you know uh i i gotta mention that so you know that's uh that's been cold takes with dom um you know uh burr. Burr. Yeah, burr. there's cold there's cold. your intro burr burr <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll clip that we'll record I that i mean that all this being said and all this being said you know chris makes up gives us a good reminder uh you know until we see her oft in the comic <laughs> if we do uh, there's still there's still hope there's still time um, to show her again we, we all want this story we all care about it and we all you know uh, you know and not all of us are, are me who sees experiences more of an equality between comics and on screen which is which is fair so um, yeah you know there, there's time there's, there's room um, but Dom as you say who knows right so fair enough all right so uh that's all we got for the cold takes and you know we we've, we've started to get into this joel why don't you take this away oh that's the wrong thing <laughs> let's let's put all our eyes on the book of boba fett joining in the fun go for it joel yep i got our eyes on it uh thanks matthew okay so book of boba fett season finale it happens the show's over it's so sad but i think this is time for us to look back See what works, see what didn't, and just get our overall thoughts. So, Dominic, I'm going to throw it to you first. What worked for you best in the book of Boa Fett, but also what didn't work for you? So, what worked best and what didn't? Uh, I think what, what worked best for me was Boba Fett himself. Mm. I, I feel yes. like the show did a really good job of, of handling the part of Boba's story that it handled. Uh, I think there there was room for more, and we can get into that in, in, in later. But I think the the storyline with Boba was really cool, and and everything that we saw with him and the Tuscans was great. Uh, I, I enjoyed him as sort of the crime lord, um, and I thought Tamora Morrison was was great back in the role. I thought that I thought he was really good. So I I was very happy with what we got from Boba over the course of the story. Um, what didn't work was uh, for for me was the structure. Uh, of the series Mm -hmm. um those two those two episodes of mandalorian two point season 2.5 uh (laughs) are terrific like i i I love them dearly as individual episodes or as a duology Mm -hmm. of episodes but they took away from the story of of boba fett and the story of, of tatooine too much for for my liking and and um as a result we were left um, going from episode four to episode seven with a real a, a real feeling of being rushed. Um, there was a lot in the finale that uh, there's a lot of little moments in the finale that I look at and just go, oh, there's so much here. There's so mm-hmm. much here. If you'd taken just one more episode to flesh out this stuff, uh, it, it could this show could have been so, 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 so good. And, and I still think the show was good, but it, it could have been that much better if they had just mm-hmm. uh, taken the time to get into Boba's backstory a little bit more. What What's the deal with him and Cad Bane? Mm-hmm. 
explore his relationship with his father a little bit. That's something I thought they were setting up with all those Daniel Logan flashbacks mm-hmm. in the first couple of episodes. Uh, and, you know, just give us some more time on Tatooine to flesh out the relationships there. What's the deal with the mods and, and their relationship with Fennec and Boba? What's the deal with their relationship with the people of Freetown? Okay. Um, you know, how how does how does how do the people of Tatooine feel about this little turf war that's going down between the Pikes and and mm-hmm. uh, Boba? And give us even give us a little bit more time with those uh, those annoying um, crime boss, other crime <laughs> bosses, you know, the other families, you yeah. know, those guys who are deaf who promised not but be- not to betray Boba and then as <laughs> Expected totally betrayed him uh, off screen in the next episode. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) so I I think um, you know that what we got from Boba showed how good the show could have been, uh, and it just for whatever reason got distracted and and wanted to get too much into the bigger stuff and the Mando stuff when all that was needed was a little bit more time with with Boba and 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 his crew. Yeah, Uh, Matthew, what about you? Best worst. Yeah, so I when it comes to the first thing I thought I get when it comes to what worked really well, I got to go back to that second episode. It was oh, yeah. so oh, yeah. well scripted, so well earned. Uh, everything that they they show about the Tuscans being the the people of dignity and respect. I forget what the civilized—that's the term they use. Uh, how how they Boba can go from a an distrusted prisoner to a wonder welcomed, respected member of of the clan of the tribe. Um, that, that moment where he he's robed in the, the whole uh, the whole ceremony of initiation and welcoming into the community that was really beautiful and really wonderful and reflective uh, Domi mentioned his character reflective of the transformation of uh, from this this bounty hunter this killer that Cad Bane seems to think he still is to a person who wants to lead with respect and so the way they picked that up um, when it comes to yeah the Clone Wars season thirty slash Mando season three <laughs> slash whatever, I will I I'm of two minds on that. I think, uh, and I do want to get back to what I was mentioning last week with Alden Diaz's tweet about uh, like biblical stories, the different uh, different takes, different perspectives, and uh, so I'll, I'll I'll step back as we do with Ion Cannon and say, so what is the story of Star Wars? And if if there is one way to put it it i would say it is the skywalker saga it is the skywalker family uh it is anakin skywalker he i i describe him as the gravitational center of the star wars galaxy and so you know everything we see does have to say okay it is its own story it is its own character but it's also connected into if it's connected if it is star wars it is somehow connected to uh to the skywalker saga to the story of Anakin, but I'm going to, I'll be fair, of course, to the sequel trilogy say, yes, also then Luke and Ray. So, uh, you know, even for example, the high Republic, I still believe it's primarily about how we get to order 66. And so what, uh, this whole era of Mandoverse, what book of Boba Fett is doing in in a way is saying, uh, this is how Boba Fett as a character and as a person and as a story can also then look at the Skywalker saga. So having Skywalkers like Luke and Ahsoka right there. And yes, Ahsoka is the Skywalker end of debate. Um, having characters like that and say, okay, this is how it ties into the uh, the rise of the New Republic and the rise of the First Order and everything happening. And you know, the, 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 the lack of pre- New Republic presence on the Outer Rim, for example, and uh, people trying to do their best and make their best given that. And of course, 
what happens with the Jedi Order and the Jedi Temple. Um, it is interesting, I will say, that uh, the, it had an uphill battle, this show, it, for me, because I'm the one, I'm, I'm most interested in the Space Wizards. And so Bounty Hunters and Crime Lords aren't, yeah. The, well, know, this, though, but... Yeah, more Jedi, but, you know, uh, you know, as, as a start, uh, I, I'm more interested in that. It is interesting that the episode that landed the most for me had nothing to do with Space Wizards. The episode that landed the least for me, my least favorite episode, was the Space Wizards one. And uh, and I got to thinking, you know, again, it, a big part of that is uh, Uncanny Plateau. And I, I was thinking more about this this past week, and we'll get to my incendiary take. I have an incendiary take coming up, I promise. Don't spoil uh, it. <laughs> I won't spoil it, but it's related to, to this episode. And um, I'll, I'll save the rest of it for that, but uh, I, I, I said last week that you know I thought Rosario Dawson her voice was too different from Ashley Eckstein. Uh, I, I I think that I don't think that's right. I think it's that she's too similar, and just you know just like how in Uncanny Valley, you know it's kind of in between a, a real human face or not. Um, I wonder if with Rosario Dawson. She's just too close. That means my brain is straining to bridge the gap, to climb that plateau. Uh, and so, I, you know, I saw on Twitter uh, folks uh, fan casting say, uh, deny Gurira or Gugum Abata Ra. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with real world circumstances that, again, is, is more eloquently expressed in other contexts. But for me, I wonder if those characters, for example, would have been so different that my brain wouldn't have bothered um, again, this is this is a one specific episode, but it kind of, I mean, it's meant to be the the big vaunted celebrated episode in a lot of ways, and it really fell flat in part because of this. Um, I, again, I, I think by and large, some editing issues in terms of uh, just transitions. Um, yeah, the even the 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 speeder chase through through uh, Mas Espa. Uh, you know, it, it just was too slow. These kinds of things, again, I'll get to a little bit more. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll get to a bit more later on. But, um, you know, give me a train of thought here. Yeah, it, the the biggest concern for me. in Structure. Just, yeah, is, was the structure. Um, you know, Dami mentioned, you know, that, okay, what are we picking up on these ideas, picking up on these thoughts? Um, so, you know, and, and Joel, you've mentioned, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen and i'll let you get I'll, to that get to yeah you get to it i mean i think that that's part of it i think the result of it though is um the, it, there were so many great ideas crammed into these five slash seven episodes without the time to pick it up right i would have been content frankly with a show that ended with what we saw in episode two i'll be full full stop don't give me too much about the future just show me that transition from with boba fett um instead they they drop that and move on right um yeah they then you know i mean garza Thwip, for example uh we really that was a really great idea to show and then the interaction exploding. between her boat yeah her and boba and kaboom right she's, <laughs> she's gone she without much so what i'm wondering is yeah maybe if too many cooks was the cause you know other shows have a kitchen. It's called a writer's room. And good shows with good writer's rooms, they have a good discipline on what can get included, what has to stay out. 
even right, if it's well, such a great, it. wonderful idea, it, you know, they have to cut it. They have to here's a horrible phrase that we learn in writing class, murder your darlings. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I've, I've heard there's a much worse version of it. That's oh there. dear. Oh no. I have a um, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. The, you know, okay. This is a great idea. We don't have time and space to show that let's focus on this one thing. And they just tried to cram too many things in. Yep. Well, I'm, I pretty much agree with your sentiments. And in terms of what the Skywalker story is, we all know deep down it's about the Skywalkers versus the Palpatines. So Gideon, he's a Palpatine. Cat yeah, probably a Palpatine. You know, yeah. Snoke's a Palpatine. They're all Palpatines. <laughs> We're all Palpatines. We just, we just need Adam Driver to show up every couple of shows and just, you know, go down the line. You are a Palpatine. <laughs> You are a Palpatine, okay. and you are a Palpatine. <laughs> I mean, you're all happen. Palpatines. So, I mean, they're, uh, they're all going to go to the world between worlds, and they're going to go. That's what's going to happen. But um, cold yeah. takes, cold takes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, I agree with both of you. You know, my my best thing, Boba. Love this version of Boba. It's probably mm. the best version of Boba we've had um, in a long line of various versions of Boba's over the years. Mm. And you know, worst thing, structure, weird editing choices, and you know. Let's just get into it. You know, did the show suffer from identity crisis? And I'm, I'm going to give my little hot theory take, more of a theory than a take. I think I think Book of Boba was going to be something that was going to happen in The Mandalorian. But for whatever reason, it got a little too big to be its own Mandalorian arc. But it didn't get big enough to be its own show because I, I look at the show and it's like all the past stuff really fleshed out. All the stuff with the Tuscans really fleshed out. The present day story with the crime bosses, very underdeveloped, very <laughs> underwhelming. Um, and then Din shows up for some reason. So it's like, I know they want to do this whole, it's all one big story thing. It's like, I feel like there's three plots going on, but the present day A plot seems to be the one that's like the most, eh, while the Mando stuff and the Boba stuff <laughs> is really good. So, you know, I'm going to throw it again to you, Dominic. What are your thoughts on this too many cooks in the kitchen between Rodriguez, Filoni, Favreau? The three just don't seem to mesh that well compared to the Favoloni team up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I definitely agree that that the stuff in the present needed more direction. It felt kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. It felt very, you know, you get kind of whiplash with everything that's going on. You know, one week the huts are really important. The next week they're not. Uh, and and I, I feel like the the show needed it just it needed a little bit more direction in that part part of the story where uh, I think it, had they introduced Cad Bane earlier or had they made the Pikes more of a threat or just honestly hadn't done the thing with the huts uh, and yeah just kept that was phone. weird yeah like I the the entrance mm -hmm. of the twins mm -hmm. amazing like that that whole sequence like that was one of my favorite parts mm -hmm. uh, of the present day storyline I thought that was so cool. And so intimidating, and then Black Chrysanthemum coming out afterwards, like it was so well done. Like that whole bit was so cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then to just sort of push him, push him, push him aside for like a a villain that didn't even feel anywhere near as intimidating in the the leader of the Pikes. Mm -hmm. um, so you needed you needed some something more something more to to drive that story forward. Mm -hmm. uh, some something that felt like more of an imminent threat, like Cad Bane. And, like Cad Bane, honestly, yeah. If if Cad Bane had shown up in episode two or episode three or something, and just kind of been looming out there as a possible threat, um, 
then I think the the, the story would have felt much, it would have felt much more sort of driven because uh, as it stands, yeah. the stuff in the present sometimes yeah. to use a phrase that was used earlier, it was kind of spinning its wheels, like, yeah. Just, yeah. you know, just stuff is happening, but nothing's really changing. And, and, and mm. uh, you know, you, you could have had more internal conflicts, again, with the mods, with the people mm. of Freetown, just seeing what was going on yeah. with, with, the, with them and the relationships on Tatooine. So I, I think that's it. I don't know if it's a it's an issue of too many cooks. I, I kind of wonder if maybe it's an issue of not enough cooks um, to to go with uh, what, what sure. Matthew was saying about you know lots of shows have writers' rooms, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking you know maybe maybe John Favreau needs a little bit of help. Maybe hmm. or maybe you know maybe he needs someone to sort of look at his scripts and go okay. What's the deal with the huts? Why are they? They're just here to drop off the rancor. Is that it? Can we come up with something else to to sort of drive it? Because you know, John, I, I think John is a very good storyteller. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's the greatest writer. There, there have been a couple of times this season where I'm like, ah, this feels very first drafty, mm -hmm. and like, I feel like you, he has a grand vision for what he wants to tell in, in these stories, and I, I don't, and I tend to, I tend to really like his grand vision, but the the nitty gritty mm -hmm. of it sometimes feels like it's it's missing something I, I, and, okay. and so i i just think you know yeah. maybe you get some more writers yeah. in there yeah. uh he can be the showrunner it can it's it's all in service he can come up with a big overarching storyline of like okay this is what i want this is what i want the story story to begin with this is what i want sure. the story to end with and just have some other people in there just to bounce ideas off each other uh to to flesh out the story and, and hopefully you know, writers' rooms don't always work. It doesn't always uh, work true. out perfectly. That is true. Um, but mm -hmm. maybe, maybe some people could have helped to uh, help to just get mm -hmm. that storyline on track. Because again, you know, Favreau, busy guy, he's doing a yep. lot of stuff, doing right. a lot, a I, lot of stuff. And maybe this is something that needs to be. He needs to to push not off his plate, but just to the side of it, and let somebody yeah. else help help out there. I I felt like this should probably not have been the story he wrote. Like I feel like just for the complications of criminals and just sort of gangsters, and maybe even Rodriguez and his writing just don't mesh as well as as well. Maybe I don't know if Rodriguez is a writer, so I don't mm. really know, or somebody else more to Rodriguez's kind of his vibe as a director maybe would have been better as a writer because like his mando stuff is great yeah. his, mm -hmm. his mando episode was really good too yeah. so but so i kind of mm -hmm. got that feeling but like maybe for book of boba this needed this needs somebody else's kind of vibe because mm -hmm. like i never felt like this was somebody's vibe or show this didn't feel like um like mandalorian feels like john favreau's baby you know this didn't feel like anyone's baby or passion project right. um that's just my take. You know, Matthew, do you, you want to add anything? Else? Yeah, I mean, just coming back to the the idea. I mean, the idea with the the uh, the kitchen, Sasha, the writers' room. I mean, the uh, uh, a writers' room that doesn't work is one that is flying off all in all directions. And um, just sorry to bring in Star Trek here. I, I think about Discovery season one, where the writers' room again, another show that had really struggled with its identity and different plots, different things happening and. <laughs> No one, and this is my point, is there didn't seem to be any one voice to, to tie things all together. And I hate to bring this up because there's so many accusations keep flinging around about this, but it, you know, similar concern that a lot of people have with the sequel trilogy, the usual tired thing of, okay, Abrams does this and Ryan does this and Abrams does this. Um, there, you know, the similar idea there of not one person saying, okay, we need to have one consistent thing. And talk about it, something that could have driven the story i would have loved to see maybe if sure it didn't, didn't have to end with 
what happens in episode two, but there needed to be a lot more implications for that of uh, his relationship with the Tuscans, with what he learned, what he, how he grew up there. Uh, yeah, Dom, you mentioned uh, with, with Django and you know the, all the the flashback to Camino and what was happening there. The first two episodes were this wonderful attack of the clones at twenty party that said we're going to explore Boba's origins both uh, as a child. And then, yeah, later on with uh, with Cad Bane, you know, it is it was this kind of weird thing where those of us who know about uh, the deleted scene from Clone Wars to see it being referred to in this finale, but to not actually see it, we were I, I think it would have really worked and really made sense to at least show actually show it to us, give it to yeah. us there, because then we maybe even earlier in the series, maybe that's the way to bring Cad Bane in is as that flashback where it comes out with the armor, with the, the green and red armor and a, a nice clean round dome and then gets, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. And then, so, I mean, I mean, that's another thing of, you know, for those of us who know about it versus those who don't, um, again, it, it, yeah. an identity crisis, a flow crisis, not a crisis. I mean, maybe crisis is a little too strong. Um, the, yeah, there are strong things in this about, again, Boba's character, but, um, yeah, and uh, someone who who could really say what, where is this going, what's happening, and execute it, and execute it, and bring it to bring it about. Yeah, and and John uh, John could easily be that that person. Filoni mm-hmm. could be that person. Robert Rodriguez could be that person. All three of them working together could be mm-hmm. that person. Um, it, this this was just a show that just seemed like it was just sort of weaving its way through a, a story um, that was that it just it lacked a little bit of a focus a little bit of a drive and and maybe um uh could have gone a little faster and more intense in a few places <laughs> there's that guy <laughs> yeah um yeah. but you brought up boba's character but let's talk about boba's character yeah. like not just his motivations but just sort of where he is now i like in a weird way the show was very much marketed as boba the crime lord mm-hmm. i didn't see boba the crime lord i saw boba the king Boba, king of Tatooine, you know, he very much seems like a feudal lord. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he's going to like, you know, he, he like you go to him to pay patronage, but it'll also probably help you out if, if you're in trouble. Like, I could totally see Boba's like, hey, you know, my farm is not growing its crop for some reason. Boba, I think Boba's kind enough to like, I'm, I'll help you out. But um, Boba will be out there sowing the seeds, you know, <laughs> yeah. out there yeah, with his like, No, you can't do that. You got to actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'll be driving the tractor. I mean, <laughs> have you guys seen the picture from, it was like early on in, in COVID and Tamora Morrison was locked down in New Zealand and he was so bored that his his brother-in-law runs a concrete company that he just start, went and started working for his brother-in-law. Oh, that's so awesome. there's these there terrific pictures of Tem just all decked out in his work workman clothes, just, you know, working on some, making some concrete squares. So, you know, Boba, Boba, Tem, there's the, the line could be blurred. He wants yeah. to help his community. But, um, you know, this time I'll throw it to you, Massey. What, what are your thoughts on Boba's character, Boba the feudal lord or the crime lord? And just. Yeah, I mean, did. you talk about the marketing and, I mean, or, or the, the way the show was pitched. I mean, I think the marketing was aimed at, and this is actually maybe gets back to the, the question before. It was aimed at all those folks who love Boba, the, the self insert, as you say, the self insert uh hardcore crime lord right bounty hunters just gonna the the stone cold killer the ultimate toy the ultimate toy right and uh and and i really love how it didn't didn't sit with that and it kind of upset some people and i, I do wonder if if people if 
writers were kind of anticipating that and said, no, we got to pull back and got to show them in some action. I don't know. But what I do love is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first use of the term daimyo in uh, yes. canon. I don't know about legends, but I have to look up what, what was a daimyo and, you know, a Japanese feudal, uh, feudal lord who, I mean, I, I gather similar to Western feudal lords, but probably a stronger sense of kinship and loyalty and duty and honor uh, connected to the people under his feudal rule. Yeah. Uh, certainly, at least the ideal of it, it would be, I gather. But yeah, and that's what we see with Boba is, is him being this ideal of the daimyo, this ideal of a feudal lord. That last scene where they're walking through the town and uh, that I did find quite heartening if there was any sort of callback to his initial aims of, of ruling with respect, you know, either you're battling to me or you're shooting me, you got, you know, can't, can't have any, any other choice, right? Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that's the tension of course is he wants to be the guy getting on the tractor and, and helping out, but he has Fennec there to say, no, you have admin, admin work to do. You have to actually be the one <laughs> calling the shots. And so, yeah, that was, it was an interesting exploration of the tension there between uh yeah the tension between wanting to be proactive in helping people but saying okay well the person who actually needs to make the decisions can't always be out there helping people practically their best uh, role is actually sitting on the throne obviously wanting to know uh you know get the experience of how people live what what they care about what they want uh the way he listens to the biker biker gang saying well, we got to stay in, in Mos Espa and not retreat to the palace um, yeah. that another of course tension uh, is you know uh, that, that Fennec represents of uh, the, where we get, the you know the tension of Boba wanting to rule with Pete rule with respect uh, where is the place of fear in that where is the place of discipline there's that word again of uh, you know having to get out the blaster or get out the, 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 the stick, you know, and, and say people who aren't is the people who aren't being kept in line, not in a, a selfish self-serving way, but in a way of people who are harming others and pulling the community apart. I mean, yeah. here's the real world experience, right? Uh, here's the real world example. Got to bring it in um, just today in the news in Canada, we're talking about, uh, the prime minister invoking our version of kind of emergency measures to deal with these protests. And in other contexts, we might've said, uh, well, what, why are you doing this? This is, this is pretty tyrannical and whatnot. And, um, and some people are saying that, right. There's tensions there between, uh, you know, the federal government and provinces. Sorry. I don't want to get in too much of a, Canadian news, Canadian politics. My point being, um, Sometimes you do need to, for those who are dividing the community in, in selfish, destructive ways, there needs to be at least this discipline there that is strongly, uh, there's a lot of accountability. There has to be lots of accountability. I think Boba's own character motivations will go for that accountability. Uh, he is uh, averse to the abuse of that power. And um, that's, again, going to be the tension. If there is a season two if we see him again uh i was wondering if fennec would uh would really oppose him thankfully she doesn't she's this voice of you actually have to go and she ends up doing the dirty work but but 
yeah, it, it's a feudal lord who has crime lord experience. I'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a feudal lord who is used to getting his hands dirty, but doesn't want to do that anymore. Um, no. Except when he confronts someone like Cad Bane, who. Yeah, with, uh, but what about you, Dominic? What are your thoughts about like this Boba Fett, the crime lord or the feudal lord, just his character and motivations throughout the show, and you know, maybe where he goes from here? Yeah, king I, of I, tattooing. Yeah, uh, long live the king. Uh, yeah, I thought uh, I thought I thought it was uh, I thought it was an interesting way to go to to not have and to, to differentiate it from Mandalorian, which could be very adventure of the week. We'll send uh, Din Djarin out to check out this or to go after that, uh, especially in the first season, um, to sort of keep Boba sort of tethered to Tatooine. And to keep it sort of focused on this one small story. And I thought that was cool. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a good idea. And I thought it was interesting that they said, all right, he's a crime lord now. Um, which, you know, is kind of a, you know, we, we see him as a crime lord and he calls himself a crime lord. But mm -hmm. he doesn't seem to be interested in doing all that much crime. Um, <laughs> crime. <laughs> yeah, even at one point, you know, he, he says, oh, let's get spice. Yeah, he's like, let's get the spice off our streets. Like, he's, <laughs> he's not a he's not a crime lord at this point. He's a he's a politician. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I th that was sort of an interesting conflict mm -hmm. between, you know, what the characters are saying about themselves versus what the storytellers might be allowed to do you know star wars has always struggled with this you know mm -hmm. with, when doing anti-heroes because they always tend to become just straight up heroes very quickly and uh, especially these days especially with with uh, disney owning it it seems very unlikely to me that we would ever get a show where the the bad guys are, are spice runners or something like or where the good excuse me where the good guys are spice runners or something like that like that just doesn't mm -hmm. seem to to jive with what they would want to do but you know then again i've been wrong about that sort of thing before so um flag that one down for cold yes. takes later I was on. Gonna say, yeah <laughs> you'll be <laughs> but, back <laughs> yeah but but uh but i thought it was a cool idea um i, I would mm -hmm. like to have known a little bit more about uh what that actually entails for boba mm -hmm. and and it'd be interesting to see yeah. what that's like going forward but i really like what, what you were saying matthew about um yeah. you know his role in the community as that as the daimyo I, I i didn't know that i thought that was really i think that's really interesting mm -hmm. um so i i'd be in, I'm, I'm interested to see where where boba goes when he next shows up when we next see him again um will he feel like he can't leave he can't like, go help din Djarin because he's stuck uh, he's got to stick around and, and you know make sure things don't go crazy don't go mm -hmm. sideways on uh, on Tatooine or maybe he can leave Drash in charge and and she well, can uh, she can run the show I mean yeah. we, we know he's going to probably leave Cobb Vanth in charge but that's Thank you. no no yeah. cuz Cobb, Cobb's going to be out there with uh with Appa uh, on adventures yeah. as a ranger of the new republic yeah um yeah um yeah but um you know the next thing i just i just want to think about is did the book of boba keep its eye on the canon and in some cases it really did we got black chrysanthemum yeah. comic book character so exciting yeah. um, and he looked like he walked right off the page he did. Too. Oh my goodness. such a good design such a they good just design. did a uh the hasbro just released a black series and that's a black series of from from the comics not necessarily mm -hmm. from from the show which anyway. <laughs> obviously we got <laughs> Cobb vance returning that was great um but also in some cases like we talked earlier no no kira but that was our, more our fault no bad batch no omega no no brother and sister reuniting here yeah um we got cad bane though you mm -hmm. know his his fate and you know i, I thought cad bane looked pretty good in the second episode mm -hmm. and i just heard his voice it's like oh yes, yes that is that is cad bane 
So, you know, in a lot of ways, I was so happy seeing, you know, Book of Boba continuing what Mandoverse is doing, which is kind of bridging it all together. Skywalker saga, Clone Wars, everything, you know, trying to, as best it can. You know, Matthew, do you have any thing as our fellow eye on canon that keep its eye on the canon? There we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cad Bane to me is, well, Cad Bane and Fennec, I mean, they, they're also Bad Batch characters. And uh, I, I saw, I guess maybe on Instagram, where someone made a meme of, of that quote where Cad Bane is confronting Hunter and he says, you know, I've killed clones before. And that was in my mind. And that didn't need to be re repeated in the show in, in book of Boba Fett, but it was in my mind and saying his confrontation with, with Boba. I mean, that's part of, uh, part of the mythos, part of the lore with Cad Bane and Boba. And then, yeah, the, the connection with the clone wars, there are, is mentioned in the dialogue about uh, implying or, or talking about how, uh, he trained, he trained Boba, yeah. and he brings it to mind. It, so, in my part of hearts, even though Boba probably didn't doesn't care at all when he killed Cad Bane, like he struck a he struck up the blow for all the clones that Cad Bane killed. Yeah, I mean that, that's definitely part of it too. You know, um, yeah, I, I mean going all the way back to uh, our first episodes, the the Leo point with the chrysanthemum that that was that was wonderful. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, and then you know, again, I, w I wish there was more about Django Fett. I, I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the it was again a, a thread that they could have picked up. Yeah, so um, I mean, we don't really have much in terms of tie-in materials to this. I do want to say, you know, with uh, the book with the the War of the Bounty Hunters, that's the funny thing is, in in the War of the Bounty Hunters, he still is that cold blood, cold blooded killer, cold hearted killer, whatever phrase Cad Bane uses. Um, there was a bit of a vibe with. Uh, with that council meeting where he or he gathers all the crime lords in Mas Espa, that did kind of feel like the thing you'd see in the Charles Soule uh, crossover event. So it had a feel there, and the the two comics, the two stories did cross over, and the, and there was some synergy, is the term we're using, in uh, in that. But yeah, I mean, it. it Try to, I mean, the, the, the biggest connections, of course, are to the Mandoverse, the wider Mandoverse. Um, the uh, again, I'm gonna get to this very shortly, but um, it's coming, it's coming. the flashbacks with Grogu. Uh, uh, well, well, well let's, just, let's just get to it then. Let's just get to it. So, you know, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, you know, who was our favorite and least favorite directors? Um, and I'll, I'll go first just to kind of build up anticipation. Uh, my, <laughs> my favorite, um, you know, I think I'm gonna cheat. Uh, I'm going to say Steph, Steph Green, not Steph Green, Steph Green, <laughs> directed episode two, and Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, they are <laughs> they are both really amazing, really good. Um, least favorite, and I hate saying this, um, Robert Rodriguez. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I don't think he needs to never touch Star Wars again, as some people are being all rude about it and blaming him <laughs> for everything. I think that's wrong. That's a bit much. You know, especially for our, our first major Latino director, DA <laughs> for diversity. Keep that going. Star Wars, keep that going. Um, but uh, there's something about his episode, with the exception of the finale. It's like, not much. I didn't like the, mm -hmm. I thought the first episode was just okay. But the third episode was weird. I didn't like it that much either. Finale was fine, but still a little slowish at times. But yeah, his episodes were, you know, they just were not my favorite. Uh, but Matthew, Let's heat up this room. You have the incendiary take for well, this. Let's go. First of all, I'll, I'll say with my favorite. Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard and Steph Green. I mean, I, that's the thing. That, that Mando episode was brilliant. It was so well shot, so exciting. Um, 
It really took us into into the character, into that world, and thematically did very much connect, I believe, to uh, to the rest of the show. And uh, you know, I've talked about uh, that second episode with Steph Green. Uh, again, payoff, setup, setup, payoff, uh, earning that moment at the end there. So, okay, here's my incendiary take. And <laughs> get the fires ready. Sit get down. I mean, you guys know where this is going, right? So, Dave Filoni is the master at telling stories with he has perfected the art of four 23-minute chunks. He is, you know, the season finale of Clone Wars, series finale of Clone Wars, is my favorite episodes of all time, my favorite television of all time, uh, The Siege of Mandalore. It's perfect the way that they, you know, it leads off and then, you know, the, the, the narrative arcs that both over the 23 minutes and then over the two, or the half hour, I should say, and then over the two hours. Mm-hmm. there is a lot of lag in, in that episode and a lot of did this really pay off did this really make sense though the i mean and yeah and dom you mentioned it off the top some things that felt first draft uh specifically i still just trying to have to think my way through that line she, ahsoka says to luke just like your father it that didn't make sense. There's so much heart, just like your father. I, sorry. <laughs> it that that needed a bit more flesh on the bone. The moment, yeah, I mentioned with the uh the Order 66 flashback, and then Grogu wakes up and says, Welcome back. As if nothing happened, as if there was no implications to it, um, no you know, threat or reason or even distress on Grogu's part. Can no, I add you know, some fuel to your fire, if you don't mind? Yeah, well, let me uh, let me get to the the full the full okay. take, and then then we'll go for it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, no, you know, if you know, if I'm if I have a mentor or someone, and and I'm reliving a very traumatic memory, I'm going to want to talk about that immediately. Right? I'm going to process that. No, kind of, you know, it, it just seemed to just didn't even pick up or anything. Um, even at the end, where the transition between when Din leaves uh, Freetown and then we see Cad Bane, I found that was pretty awkward. That was just the editing there just didn't match up. It's like we're going there to there. It just, yeah, that didn't quite fit. Uh, I know. I, we love Dave. We love Dave. But I just, you know, both this and, you know, that, that Mando season two episode just don't land for me again on Candy Plateau. But also this editing, the thing I said last week, um, again, it, it's like he took for granted I felt like my love of Clone Wars was being taken for granted in that episode. That you love this, so you're going to love, you love Space Wizards, so you're going to love this episode. And we don't need to do much work to bring the, the arc and bring the story. And yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know if he needs more time. I don't know maybe if it would help if he looked I at it in two half hour, episode. if he looked at it in two half hour sections or whatnot. Um, but it, it just, you know, it doesn't, um, you know, those didn't quite, you know, quite land for me. Well, I'll just add some fuel to your fire for a second mm. before I pass on to you, Dominic. I think they call him George Lucas's Padawan. I think mm-hmm. he learned a lot from George. I think George has some of these problems too. And I just, <laughs> I think there's something of like just the, you know, kind of the humanistic element that sometimes I think George kind of has mm-hmm. a little problem with and just, dialogue and kind of character emotions emoting i think that there's a little bit of george and dave and i think maybe he comes a little too close to the school of george in some ways because he learned directly from him so i think 
Mm-hmm. I think some of Dave's problem, George's problem, can be honestly be uh, similar in my in vain in a lot of ways too. Um, yeah, and in my... response to that is that gets me thinking. You know, again, one of the things we we keeps coming up for for us in this conversation is. Um, you know, just how Dave was the guy was able to say to George in the Clone Wars, hold on, don't do this. Don't go there. He knew how to say it. I mean, we don't know what his secret was, but uh, he was able to to pull him back and focus and help him focus on what's the story we're telling at hand. Uh, Dave, could you use that? I, I gather he's the one who wrote this episode. I don't know. Yes, but, I think so. You know, but, I, uh, Dave could have used that again, Favreau, and then could have used that. So. Yeah, but uh, Sonic, let's go to let's go to you. Favorite <laughs> and least favorite directors. <laughs> I have to feel like I should just pick Dave Filoni just to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that's your honest answer, answer. Then, <laughs> that's your honest answer. Fair enough. Uh, it would probably be either Dave or um, Steph Green. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you, like you guys have both pointed out, that episode two um, of the series was above and beyond. Like it was, it was so good, and it it got the little moments right and it got the big moments right it got the character stuff right and it got the action stuff right uh the the train sequence was uh i think the best action sequence in in the entire series it it it, there's something there's something that not everybody can do which is capture speed on camera and and she did she she managed to make that sequence feel like that train was going really fast and really uh, intense and and really intense and it was very if you could feel you felt the tension building with every mm-hmm. every frame that passed. So I, I think she did such a such a terrific job. And I do think that um, I I really love Dave Filoni's episode. I love his directing. I love his writing. I thought I I, I thought those moments, you know, the the Ahsoka thing, you know, so much like your father. You know, that that's kind of a moment we're getting a little bit from Luke's perspective. You know, he. I don't think he fully understands what what she's saying either, because he doesn't really know Anakin. That's interesting. So, 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 you know, she says that, (laughs) and and you know, it's yeah, okay, maybe it isn't. There isn't a one to one parallel from from her experience of with Anakin that we know about yet. But she's Mm -hmm. she's seeing something in Luke. She's seeing Mm -hmm. this, you know, perhaps maybe a bit of a perfectionist uh, desire that I think definitely plagued Anakin, and also. You know a little bit of the the burden you know anakin was the chosen one he's the guy who was supposed to save everybody mm. and i think he carried that and i think ahsoka could sense that and i think you get that a little bit in some of her quieter moments with characters like barris uh, early on in the series uh and i think she's seeing that in luke because i think he's in kind of a similar spot where maybe he's not the chosen one but he is the person who has taken on the mantle of being a Jedi and taking on the task of rebuilding the Jedi order, which is not an easy feat. That's a, that's a big deal. And I think he, he feels some similar pressures to, to Anakin. And so Mm -hmm. just in the way he's approaching everything that's going on with Grogu, I think she probably sees a little bit of herself and Anakin in in that. So I thought that, you know, I, I, that moment I thought was, was, you know, really sweet and, 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 (laughs) you know, kind of, it worked for me. It worked for me. And, and, um, you know, Luke, uh, prompting the the flashback for Grogu, yeah, okay, this is a little bit weird, um, but I, I felt, you know, I felt when when Grogu came out of that, Luke felt it, Luke felt very warm in that scene mm. to, scene to me, he felt very protective in that scene to me, and I feel like you we're meant to feel, you know, we've we've been with Grogu and through the flashback, so we feel that sort of horror of Order sixty six, and then mm-hmm. we come out of it, and Luke's there, and he's like, "Welcome back!" Like he's he's there to protect us. Like we're supposed to feel like, okay, we're safe now. Same mm-hmm. as 
same as Grogu does. And so I, 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 I got, I, I felt that episode, that episode worked for me. But the thing is, you know, with every movie, every TV show, every book, every yeah. comic, every painting, every photograph, you know, it hits, it hits every song, yeah. it, it hits people differently. And, and what works for one person isn't going to work for everybody. So, um, yeah. you know, nobody's, nobody's right. Nobody's wrong, uh, in, yeah. in all of this stuff. Uh, even if, even if we don't, uh, yeah. even if we don't share the same, uh, same opinions, that's just, that's just how it goes. Uh, as for my, my least favorite, uh, director, um, it's the guy who directed, uh, episode four, Kevin, Tacheron, Tancheron. Oh, uh, episode yeah. four, episode four just doesn't work for me. It, it's, 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 it's perfunctory. <laughs> it's um, everything that happens in it just sort of happens because it has to happen, uh, and and it doesn't quite carry the same kick as as all the other episodes. Mm -hmm. It's the one episode where it's like, okay, we got to get the ship back. We got to yeah. reunite him with Fennec. We got to, you know, he's got to come to this realization. It, it just, it all just sort of felt like, okay, here's the episode where we just get all the things in there because. If we don't say it, then people will go on the internet and go, well, how did this happen? <laughs> and we can just sort of say, well, it was there. And also, I would have been perfectly happy to to find out that Boba just got the ship back some other way. Like, I, like, I, don't, I right. didn't need that whole sequence. That episode. And that, and, and I that completely episode, forgot what episode we're talking about. Yeah. And that whole sequence yeah. with stealing the fire spray or the slave one or whatever yeah, you want to call it. Yeah. Like there were a couple of action sequences in the sequence in the series that were odd. The the speeder chase in episode three was one of them, but that mm -hmm. one too, I was just like, what is, what is, what are we watching here? This is not very exciting for star Wars. It needed yeah. it, again, faster and more intense. That was what was missing from a few of these sequences. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yep. So, you know, wrap up their final question, you know, what are we hoping to see for the future of Boba Fett and I guess live action Star Wars in general, you know, with this fan reception and all, it seems to be very split 50-50. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start us off by saying for me, I kind of right now just, I'm okay if Boba's story just gets folded back into Mando proper right now and he just kind of appears as a secondary character, you know, doing his own thing, helping Din out from time to time. You know, I think, right, you know, and only do a season two if, like, you completely have a really, really good idea from the ground up, kind of maybe just get a whole different team on this and kind of soft reboot it, same characters, but, like, you know, just kind of really have a different vision. You know, you know, if Rodriguez has a, wants to bring in a different team, that's fine, too. But, you know, like, just build, rebuild the show from the ground up, kind of soft reboot it. But for now... Boba should probably be a secondary character in Din's story and whatever this grand event that might may or may not be against Thrawn be. Um, and as for, you know, the future of Star Wars TV, I'm actually really excited. You know, mm -hmm. Dominic, you were talking about different writers. You know, we're about to get different writers and directors. With Kenobi, I'm super hyped for Tony Gilroy. I think he's going to bring something very different mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the writing. I think Leslie Headland in her writer's room are going to bring something really different as well. I just, I'm looking forward to getting out of the Favreau Filoni creative sphere for a bit. Although I guess Bad Batch is also part of that, but still different writers, but um, you know, getting out of their little creative sphere and kind of seeing what others bring to the table and then coming back to, you know, them in like a year or so, but you know, Dominic, what about you thoughts on the future of Boba and the future of live action Star Wars? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm actually. I'm really optimistic about the future of of Boba Fett. Like, uh, mm -hmm. I I feel like this show showed that you can do 
really interesting stuff with the character in this time and that he doesn't have to be a caricature. He doesn't have to be the sort of the two dimensional um, anti-hero that he was. You can make him into something, into a character that's really complex and really layered and who, who, who you know, has, has sort of com competing motivations at times. And so I, I really, I really enjoyed what we saw from Boba in over the course of this story. And I'm excited to see more of that. Um, you know, I, I agree. It's probably going to be as a secondary character in, in other shows. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with seeing where, where that takes us. And uh, as for the future of TV, like you said, I, I think um, getting more writers involved, getting more storytellers involved is really exciting. And, and that's about to kick into gear in a big way. <laughs> uh, we're going to get at least two live action shows probably bef before we get back to the Mandoverse with... Um, <laughs> Um, with yeah. season three, probably at the end of this year. So, you know, with, with Kenobi and Andor, you know, the, those should be really exciting. Um, so I, yeah, I think there's, 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 there's so much to be excited about it and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, those, uh, Wednesday mornings on Disney plus are going to be, uh, <laughs> pretty yeah. sweet for, uh, for the rest of the year and, and mm -hmm. into next year as well. Mm -hmm. Matthew, yep. Let's yeah. I just got to say Deborah Chow, bring it on. Uh, mm -hmm. Looking forward to again, thread through this whole show. Looking forward to, to one person being in charge and having a team who can can you know help her focus her whatnot. But she has this one vision of the of what she's been doing. And yeah, I mean, definitely, Ewan McGregor has his input as well. And I mean, this is this is the the story we all have wanted. This is the space wizard that I've wanted for a long time to see. You know, how does the you know how how does his relationship with Anakin uh, play out in this time? What is the nature of of Hayden Christensen in this in this show? Like, is it going to be flashbacks? Is it going to be is he going to be Vader talking to Obi Wan? You know, I mean, all these really great possibilities, and of course, Ahsoka potentially, I believe, may be in this show as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely, I'm excited. Uh, Clearly, my attention right now is more on High Republic, but uh, I'm looking forward to that changing. And then Andor, we, we're getting that. Um, that's yeah. you know the more the war, the 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 espionage and whatnot. Again, uh, really looking forward to again you know uh, hopefully having a director with a clear vision, clear focus that is uh, able to tell us the story. Um, you know, are we going to see Cassian and K two meet again? That's that's fine. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Um, either way, uh, looking forward to you know, telling a story about war and about spies and rebellion in a time where things are, I think, maybe more heightened in terms of tension, in terms of um, questioning authority. We'll see. We'll see. But, and what uh, about, you know, Boba? What do you think? What do you want to see happen to good old Boba? Yeah, that's true. I mean, the, the lead up to Rogue One. So, uh, yeah, well, there's lots on the horizon. Of course, Marvel's getting its attention as well. But uh, yeah, so uh, on that note, though, I think we're going to start wrapping this up. Yeah. First of all, uh, Dominic, thank you for joining us. It's been great having you on, being great getting your guidance and your, your support throughout mm -hmm. as we launch thank this. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so we'll, we'll throw it to you. Uh, where can people find you? 
Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun to get into the canon of Star Wars, to keep our eyes on the canon, uh, both of them, not just one. Uh, and uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you can uh, catch me every week on the Star Wars Underworld podcast. Uh, we record those live on Thursdays at uh, 9.30 uh, p.m. Eastern on the uh, Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel, and then they're available to uh, stream as uh, videos pretty much immediately thereafter and uh, they're uh, available as audio-only format uh, in the audio-only format on Spotify and, and uh, Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get your, your podcasts these days. Uh, again, pretty much thereafter. There's a little bit more time. It takes a little bit more time for those to come out just because we got to do a, a tiny bit of editing. But they're there for uh, for Friday mornings if you need something for your uh, drive to work or school or whatever you're doing on Fridays. So, uh, yeah, Star Wars Underworld. And uh, you can catch all the back episodes on StarWarsUnderworld.com. Sure. There you go. There you go. Definitely uh, a fun time Thursday nights, especially. Joel, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at JID2021. Again, that is at JID2021, where I do Twitter things. That, that's, that's what I do. I, don't, I do Twitter things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all encompassing. There we go. And uh, you can see so you can have, uh, read his writing also at cultureslate.com. You can find me, as you can see, on Twitter at NEUG485. At MNUG1138 on Instagram. Again, my Fallen Star, I'm going to plug that again on uh, uh, my review commentary on Fallen Star. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the, all the books in the background there. You can follow us at Ion Cannon Pod on Twitter and Instagram and at Culture Slate uh, on Twitter and Instagram and wherever you get your socials, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, thank you as well for this journey as we lift off. Please, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, Please go for it. Uh, subscribe. Follow our socials as well. Next week, we're thinking about talking all about Kenobi and more on what we what we hope to see, what we think. You know, again, the connections with the comic book and canon as well, and add some more thoughts maybe on Uncanny Plateau. We'll see. But for now, this has been Kenobi! the Iron Canon Podcast. Kenobi. Joel, Dom, let's blow this thing and head home.